0: Do you want to come back to my place? Listen to some Chuck Berry. Hey, do you like what you see? Oh, we come here every summer, don't we, Gladys? I think EasyJet fly into the mine zone, don't they, and tell people it's in London? John's 70s corner.
1: It was on display in the bottom of a locked filing cabinet, stuck in a disused lavatory with a sign on the door saying, Beware of the Leopard, Leopard,
2: Leopard, leopard, leopard. Welcome to Beware of the Leopard, your A to Z of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I'm Mark Stedman, and I really wish I'd listened to what my mother told me when I was young.
1: I'm John Barnes, adventurer, ex-hippie, good-timer, crook? Quite possibly, self-publicist, terribly bad at personal relationships and often thought to be completely out to lunch.
0: I'm John Hickman and I'm more popular than the Celestial Home Care Omnibus.
2: <laughs> Last week we finished up with Gag Halfront, so now it's time to stay mindful. The Gagrakaka Mind Zones are the place disaster area come from. John Bounds, what is a mind zone? Are they a little bit like
1: quiet zones on the train? which essentially means oh God, I hope so. which essentially means as far as I can work out that exactly the same things happen in the rest of in the rest of the zones
2: <laughs> but people are allowed to get huffy on their high horse about it so it's just full of lots of passive aggressive people staring
1: and just essentially going oh man you're not meant to be bloody using your mind here <laughs> oh I'm not going to say are you, are you going to say something I'm not going to say something or it could be a little bit like zones on the tube, where it's says so you got know, zone one, zone two, zone three, zone five, zone six. So 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 far out to the mine zone where you just have to pretend that you're near enough to central London to get there for a night. I out. think
0: um I think EasyJet fly into the <laughs> mine zone, don't they, and tell people it's in London. London Gagra Airport. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if you're in the mine zone then, John, on, on the train, um, does that mean if you're in the if you're in the quiet zone and you're doing quiet, if you're doing activities that don't involve talking but which make noise, then you get lots of angry looks, don't you? If you're eating some crisps or or using your laptop, so does that mean if you're doing anything that isn't thinking, watching sport?
1: Well, I can't work out whether mind zones are like pro use of the mind or anti use of the mind. Um, given disaster areas, music it might be anti. I don't know. Or it might be they got thrown out. I've uh, I think yeah. So maybe you just have to in the mind zone. Um you uh, just have to essentially switch off all critical faculties and um I don't know, start reading Dan Brown or watching
2: um I'm a celebrity get me out of here. Good. Now let's uh, let's talk about this lady. Gail Andrews is a famous astrologer who was berated by Trisha McMillan on TV, but who was gracious enough to come and see her to find out why she, Trisha, was unhappy. I know I've had the occasion to get a little testy with someone, usually online, only to find them thoroughly decent in real life. Mr. Hickman, has anything like this ever happened to you? No, it hasn't. I I think I, I must be pretty I think you comport yourself online pretty well. I must be pretty good at, at
0: calling people out for for, for being um being shits. Um uh, tell, so tell us about one of these, Mark, because I've, it's not a phenomenon I've come across.
2: I've Okay, I've I've had occasion to say sort of rude thing I, it's been a long while since since uh, this happened but we all used to live in a in a similar vicinity and back in the day it was about 9 years ago now there there used to be a contingent of people who would get together um and they it it, it was enough that they knew each other from off of out of the internet that they would get together and it was on some such meeting after um, giving someone a hard time on Twitter for maybe being a bit spammy or just being irritating, but I then met that person in real life, and they were quite nice.
0: I mean, I probably had it. I probably had it the other way, where there's been people who se- have seemed fairly okay on the internet, and then I've met them in real life and just have thought, no, you're 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 problematic, and I don't think that you're a person I really want to speak to uh, much much in, re- in real life. Now I've upset a lot of people on the internet before, and none of them have ever come to check if I'm okay. Um <clears throat> so either they're very good judges of character and I I'm beyond redemption or um yeah I don't know I mean like I I have been hated by the daily mail on the internet so that was fun Oh
2: yes of course because you you uh because of the social media MA I? I
0: I actually got I I actually got uh, emails saying that I should be ashamed of myself from from people who'd read Coverage of me just going about my business of doing my job, um, yeah. No,
2: they're the same kind of people who end up on um, Dave Gorman's Modern Life is Goodish in the found poetry section. Oh
0: right, okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, none of them, none of them have ever have ever come back and and, and said said sorry to me. And I, I've certainly never gone out and, and found someone. Maybe that means I'm quite a bad person.
1: I've um, I've had something not online but um, in real life uh, that sort of happened a little bit like this. So um, not as far away from us, there's a, uh, a bridge over the Thames. Uh, it's a very small bridge, and you can only drive over it one way. Oh. And I discovered this when I drove over it the wrong way, and someone uh, very slowly rode their bike straight at me, so I had to stop, in which case he leaned over into the window and said, you went, uh, you went through that the wrong way, are you blind, or words to that effect? Mm. And I was suitably chastened. So a few a pit so forward on a few weeks later and I'm uh, I'm feeling quite civic minded and uh I um a car came over the bridge and I, you know i sort of put my hand up to stop him and I said uh It's one way mate here yeah? And he says I know I went the right way Ah. And I stop. I, yeah. I don't know which way the bloody thing went, but I'd stop the poor bloke going over the right way over the bridge. And uh, yeah, so, I was so just is it
0: very is wrong. it something that there's a social convention about going over the bridge, or is there an actual sign?
1: Oh no, it's 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 the actual road rules. But it's an awful long way around the um around the to the next bridge if you. <laughs> if you really want to get across.
0: Because there's a, there's a strange thing at our uh, local, local shop up, up, up the road where there's, there is no signage to tell you which way to go in and into and out of the car park, but everybody knows which way to go. Except for every now and then somebody who doesn't live in our postcode comes in and comes in the wrong way. And everybody just sort of stops and stares at the person <laughs> breaking the, the, you're not from around well, here. Yeah, no, it is. It is a case of that, but th- there is an obvious sign that everyone's car is facing the same way. Um, yes that's yes there is that.
1: I get unfeasibly annoyed. I never say anything, but I do get annoyed with people at work. Uh I live in a I work in a, a three uh f- floored building. So it's got a, so big central stairs. They're quite wide. But I we had this drummed into us at school on the stairs walk on the left. Yeah. yeah. And people do not do this. And I wonder if it's because a lot of the people who work there are not from the UK, <laughs> so they're walking on the what they think is the correct side for them and they're getting equally annoyed with me.
0: In both of these examples, so these these are quintessentially Br- British moments, aren't they? Because, you know, everyone's just going to just stop and be disappointed with the person coming in the wrong way and no one's going to tell them. Um you're going to just keep on going up the stairs the wrong way and f- seething about it. Um it's it's the biscuit story all <laughs> over again really.
2: Well, actually sort of bringing it back to um or remaining in, in Hitchhiker's territory. Um the the fifth book where we we meet Gail Andrews is kind of it's kind of Trisha's or Trillian's story to a degree, because she she actually features quite a lot in this. Um and I do find the, the whole Gail Andrews encounter quite interesting because you've got this woman that was interviewed by quite a sort of hard headed uh journalist and then recognises this thing, this this sort of Deep unhappiness in a person and wants to have a conversation about it, and I think that's there's something wonderful and and something that would behoove us, I think, to bear in mind. Uh, yes, I know it's fiction, but something it's it's a it's a nice thought to bear in mind that two people of completely opposing views, one of them like definitely wrong, um, and the other one is science. But the point is that neither person is mean or evil or bad um and and they they get together and they have a very meaningful conversation um that is that it's, it's she also demonstrates a you know a great amount of of kindness um you know she she suddenly gets um a call from a, a tv station to go and do an audition in new york and gail andrews is, is shooing her out the door saying no go you know you've got to go to this don't don't worry about me and it's um there's something very lovely there that uh, when we talk across Political divides, um, and uh, you know, obviously, this is this is a different kind of divide. But when we talk across those divides, we we demonize people, and there's something lovely about the fact that these two people get together and and absolutely don't do that.
1: It's a wonderfully sympathetic bit, Mark. You're right, um, and I think considering um, what we know of what Douglas's uh, thoughts would be towards astrology, it's a it's very nice that he gives that sort of deeply sympathetic. And the the more um openly sympathetic role to the astrologer.
0: Also, I th- I like what she says about astrology. Um, yeah, the, the the explanation for it is brilliant, isn't it, Jack? Yeah. So she she essentially says, well, you know, it, it's it's a nonsense, but there's but there, there's a pattern, and if you can use it as a system to make sense of things, then then that that's that's okay. Even if you know that that really the stars aren't affecting you, you can still use them as a map to get your way around things that are real and that's i mean everything that we use to describe reality as a model at the end of the day
2: yeah i had a i had a delightful conversation in in new york a couple of weeks ago with a guy who does tarot readings and things like that and that's you know absolutely nothing that i would you know have any sort of understanding of and don't believe in and but it was it was one of the best nights that i had just sat with this guy Chatting away, putting the world to rights and just talking about all sorts of things and, you know, feeling completely unwilling and not at all wanting to, which means the same thing, um, but feeling no need to grill him about what he does and how much he really believes or whatever, like to actually just sit and have a a lovely conversation with someone who believes something that you fundamentally don't or practices something that you fundamentally don't understand and can't get behind, but to sit and just share a beer or, you know, a couple of beers and just, and and then have a a meaningful conversation is something that um, in, in an age of uh, uh, 280 character vitriol is something that we, we do very rarely.
1: Mm. It's true. I'm quite. I'm quite pleased about the uh, expansion of the amount of space on Twitter for <laughs> vitriol. It's uh, it's made my life a lot easier. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I totally agree. Lo- lovely sentiments, Mark. Don't apply to Tories, but lovely sentiments.
2: <laughs> and now, for some easy reading, galactic easy read is a galaxy wide written language. We come across it on the golga frinchum B arc, and it. Does handily solve the problem that the Babel fish can't, Mister B. Given that we still laugh at people who even mention Esperanto, or okay, maybe maybe some of us do. <laughs> do you think we'll ever find an, uh, a, like a unifying language for our little planet, let alone the galaxy?
1: I think it's already happened to a certain extent. Um, mm. Are you aware of the the concept of international English?
2: Yes. It's quite fascinating. It's like a business language, isn't it? Well,
1: yeah, it's um, it's yeah, it's a it's a language, and it, what's fascinating to me about it is that most of its speakers are uh, people who speak English as a second or third or fourth language, and they've I don't know, um, it's a naturally evolved subset, but it also has its own grammatical rules, which are fascinating. If you ever encountered anybody um, in a work context. There's a huge tendency for uh, sort of verbifying nouns (laughs) in it. They might invite you to a training Uh, or say we've done a lot of trainings Mm. or here are our learnings. Oh, yeah, learnings is something I still hear now, yeah. And some of those are creeping into um, everyday
2: um, English. Describing
0: things as being addicting. There's a podcast thing, isn't there, of calling
2: a recording a record? Yes.
1: It's fascinating that that, that no one's sat down and done the rules like Esperanto. I think that's probably why Esperanto is... Laughable is because um, you know language you know needs to evolve for people to really um, take it to heart. But it's um, I also think it's fascinating that um, I find it harder to understand and speak to them uh, to people speaking international English than they do to each other. And this, like these, are language international English for them is you know quite sometimes quite a remote and quite a distant language. They might they might speak four or five other languages better than that. But the international language is such a, um, a sort of, you know, a defined grammar and subset that they find it quite easy to understand each other, and us English people with our idioms and. Um, you know, uh, quirks of uh, of speech and stuff that we all kind of instinctively understand.
2: I don't know anything about these early 60s sitcoms of which you speak. Completely.
1: And I think, uh, yeah, it's it's fascinating. I find it really difficult. I find it really quite hard. Um, written it's fine, but speaking, you sometimes go, I've got no idea what you're talking about, and you probably speak better English than me and all that.
0: I uh, know, and, and obviously, the, the international English is, is a particular thing, but there's also the... The really fun thing of, of people who have got a lot of their idiomatic English from, from television. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my friends at uni, um, uh, a guy that we called Norwegian Chris <laughs> because he was called Chris and he was from Norway. Um, he had a Californian accent because he learned all of his English from MTV. Yeah. Um, and, um, you, you do get a lot of people who have learned a lot of their English through that. Um, and also, uh, yeah, do you guys know the thing about how, uh, Lenin spoke with an Irish accent. No. No, I did not. Lenin spoke English in an Irish accent, apparently, uh, because he was his schoolmaster uh, was an Irishman. Um, <laughs> and so he, he his main, yeah, his main link to the English language was, was through an Irishman. And apparently the specific Irish accent that he had was quite difficult to understand for Irish people. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, which was fascinating. Um, well, I was thinking about this sort of um, the sort of
1: written language, and I think the only um, sort of big official worldwide attempt that we've had to communicate in a written way uh, to um, the rest of the galaxy was the Voyager um, spacecraft thing. Oh yes, on which we sent uh, a gold record with some Chuck Berry hmm. and some Beethoven on it, yes. and as far as I'm aware, a drawing of a bloke with his tackle out. <laughs> it's um, it just seems an incredible way to attempt to communicate with the rest of the galaxy <laughs> do you want to come back to my place listen to some Chuck Berry Hey, do you like what
2: you see well and now uh, let me show you to your table Garg Pit is the waiter at Millie Ways and he's so unhip it's a wonder his bum doesn't fall off Mr Hickman is it possible Garg Pit certainly in his radio adaptation is perhaps a little upmarket for the kind of establishment that Millie Ways is purported to be I'm, I'm
0: gonna need you to help me with the question a little bit, mate. Um. Okay. So, Millerways is an expensive place. Yes. Specifically described as being five star. Yeah. And you have a particular image in your mind of, of, this particular character that's somehow at odds with that. So can you, so, so you've got the idea of him being as like a stuffy French maitre d type. He
2: is a very stuffy waiter. Um, um
0: and, and, and you think that's, that's out of keeping with, with Milouet. Is it because there's a certain cabaret element? to Millie Ways that you think perhaps doesn't... That's almost
2: all of it. And it's also the fact that their sister restaurant is the Big Bang Burger chef. Yeah. Um, the fact that Millie Ways is not a particularly high-class establishment type of name. Mm-hmm. Um, and But, a, no, a lot of it does... And, and perhaps I think uh, the opulence as described in the uh, book is maybe a bit showy. mm mm-hmm. Um And so... That, yeah, I Is it a
1: little bit American for your taste,
2: Mark? I don't have a, a no, I I don't that's not something that I think about. I don't think of it in that term, but I do think I, it, it is it's interesting that you you bring that up though because it does make me think a little bit of those kind of Frankie and Benny's, TGI Fridays yeah. places which are British mm. but Fashion themselves uh, after being American and are very, very overpriced, and that's so. I'm kind of getting that vibe. I
0: think it's something slight. I know where you're going with that, but I think it's something slightly different to that. You know, they they talk about the um, the very, very long, long bar. I think it's even yes. longer than uh, I think it's even longer than the Weatherspoons in <laughs> on Operation Street, which is very. That's the longest in long. the world. Uh, second, yeah, it was <laughs> the longest in Europe, wasn't it? Uh, second longest. Uh, okay. Um, uh, <laughs> but it's, there's this 80 foot long marble bar and there's all these, these arms and it's stylized after, after a, a starfish. So it's, it's not quite that American diner thing, but it, you're right that there's a kind of a, somebody has, um, mangled the idea of, of high class through some weird devices and said, well, it, it is going to be a high class place. It really, really is. And, um, I, I think that, the company that uh, would uh, would build something like Millerways, there was a, um there was a group called first leisure i think in the uk and they were the people who outfitted uh clubs that would randomly have a sphinx in the middle of them <laughs>
1: Uh, That's like, not what I thought you were going to say. But, to. but
0: like, like nightclubs that, that would, that, that would have kind of plaster of Paris, um, statues in them. <laughs> right. Uh, and, 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 and these sorts of things. Now, I don't want to, um, I don't want to go too, too local on this, <laughs> but talking, I'm talking about the dome in Birmingham, if you've been there. Ah. Um, these sorts of cavernous, cavernous places with some spaces where you can get hidden and a kind of, of an idea of opulence about them. Um, that is kind of tacky, mm. uh, but people can can buy into it. And it's quite less common to the matter. It also it reminds me of a cruise ship.
1: Have you ever been to uh, the Trafford Centre in uh, Manchester, the shopping centre? No, Center? it was um, when it was designed in the sort of and uh, built in the in the eighties um, uh, or early nineties. They were very hot, and they, uh, they, they they did a thing on the inside where they uh. There's a the ceiling changes colour and stuff depending on what time of day it is, or if there's to been a tragedy. Be, yeah, or, or if uh, the R F come to redevelop the city again. But the um, the, uh, the 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 and it was based on things like uh, Venice, the Hotel Venice, or the Hotel Paris in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. where they've sort of done that thing. And they have got these sort of um, opulent sort of
0: Greek statue things inside the sort of food court area. That's exactly the sort of thing that First Leisure used to do as well. Yeah, that's the sort of stuff that I'm talking about. And like you say, American casinos on Los Angeles where they go, oh, well, let's just put our own Statue of Liberty um, here because, because, because we can. But there are still things that are very expensive, but they're very tacky um but but it does remind me it does remind me of the idea of a cruise ship i've not been on a cruise ship. I
2: think a cruise ship is a good is a good uh, anal- analogy analogy um, and uh, to to be slightly un unkind I think there's an air of what happens when the apprentice candidates get given a certain budget and then have to build what they think is going to be a classy restaurant. Yeah.
1: So as so often happens, I'm about to uh, pull rank to and uh, pull focus to Britain in the 70s. Okay. It's John's 70s corner. So think about Douglas when he's writing this. In the 1970s in the UK, there were only perhaps two or three types of places where you could go out for a meal and a drink. Um, you didn't get food in pubs, you might get a cheese cob or a a pickled egg, so you've got your bar, or the other places you could go were either um, sort of like uh, Angus Steakhouses, or essentially you could go, perhaps as uh, Douglas sometimes did with the richer end of his family, to something like the Dorchester. So there are only these sort of two... Um,
2: these, yeah, these two colours to, to to draw from.
1: Yeah, these two sort of stock um, service. You've either got the uh, gruff, bar, gruff barman or landlord, the sort of ju- jovial mine host, what time's the uh, going to the match later, sir? Stout yeoman of the bar. Or we've got this, uh, yeah, this snooty pretend uh french <laughs> um dinner suit dinner suited um sort of sort of man and i i i wonder if if that's a little bit of it could you is it just simply there were no uh archetypes to, other archetypes to draw
0: up uh, yeah I, th- I think i think that that is it i mean I remember my parents taking me out for a a meal as a treat because uh I'd passed me eleven plus and you're right it was kind of it was a it was a strange thing to go to because it was this kind of anachronistic even even then there wasn't there wasn't anything between the pub and the restaurant at that stage um and, and we didn't have the sorts of chain restaurants you probably had had in england by then but um yeah it was it was a bit kind of overly formal to go to when you were 11 um it was very nice but um the waiter I I I think is right for the establishment because I think the establishment would want a waiter like that, mm-hmm. um, and I think that that ties to what what John's saying is it is it is a restaurant, not a pub. Mm-hmm. Even if the things that are in the restaurant don't wholly stack up and wholly make sense, even if it's not as expensive and as opulent as its five star rating suggests, even if it is a bit tacky and a bit and a bit cabaret, that waiter still is. Is in, is in the right place. And on, on a, on a cruise ship, you have this weird thing where they, they are doing kind of cabaret, mm-hmm. but everyone's wearing a dinner suit. Yes. Because they've all bought into this vision of this idea that this is special occasion for your two week big holiday to the Bahamas. Um, so, so, so put on, put on your dinner suit and you're still going to have a mass catering buffet the same as you'd have when you weren't wearing your dinner suit. Uh, but we're all going to be, pretend, pretend that we're French and then someone's going to do some blue jokes. <laughs> so, so, can't, but he's definitely, um, He's
1: he's definitely he maybe he's worked at a higher grade establishment. I'm sure there is one somewhere in the galaxy, and he's on the way down. Yes. But you uh, you, wait at, twice. you wait at you wait at Millerways yes. twice, uh, yeah, obviously uh, uh, once in the v- very distant past and once in the almost eternal mind numbing <laughs> present. Um, but the he's yeah he's had a better job. This place is. He knows it's beneath him. He knows all the customers are beneath him. They're nouveau riche. They are,
0: um, anybody can get there. It's, it's totally democratized by the, by the model where you, you invest money in your presence so that you can go there in the future on the compound interest f- from it. So it it is a hundred percent that kind of accessible affordable opulence and one of the things i was thinking about um every time i've seen uh the scene in the in the tv show and every time i read the uh, restaurant of the universe stuff in the books as well is that actually probably properly posh people wouldn't be seen dead there uh but but rock stars would be seen dead there yes for tax reasons <laughs> Um they would
2: literally be seen dead there
0: Matt, you know,
1: Matt's uh, carpet's got uh, a drink problem. He's only got one uh, dinner suit. It's probably got some unsightly stains uh, in different places. He's... um yeah, I'd, I've got a, I've, there's a, if you've ever read the Orwell's down out in Paris in London. I'm mm.
0: just going to say that, man. Well done. <laughs> yeah. The, um. This place has failed its hygiene rating, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah, It's oh going to be like yeah. the Hotel X.
1: There's a, there. there is a, it's got a sticker on the front, uh, uh, as facing out towards the end of the universe where it's just, it's got a, it's got, it's got to put up the one, uh, rating from <laughs> one to five. The, um, there are two portions of it. The, the one put the in the London bit. Uh, essentially, Orwell being a tramp in in England in the sort of in the thirties, horrific, isn't but, it? Um, in the the Paris of it is uh, part of it is is it's this sort of underclass of people who are propping up the sort of opulent uh, French hotels or the supposedly opulent French hotels The and the stuff that's going on is uh, it's just it's brilliantly described how absolutely filthy and seedy and disgusting and degrading and just that thin um, dividing line between the opulence that um, uh, Zaphod and the guys think they're getting hmm. and what's yeah. going on in the kitchens. <laughs> Even if it wants to be eaten it probably doesn't want to be watched.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so since it's leading up to Christmas at the time of recording I thought it might be interesting to have a look at seasonal Topics within the Hitchhiker's Guide uh, universe. It's not something that we come across very much. There's very little talk of actual celebrations around deities or or seasons or anything like that. So where do we think why why do we think that might be missing? Where do we think it's gone? I
0: can tell you where it is. I can tell you where Christmas is. Simply because I went onto to McKindle and did a quick search to see where, where Christmas is mentioned. Um Fenchurch's brother yes. gets her a Christmas present. Does anyone remember what it was? Uh, no, I actually... Um- it was a medical dictionary. Oh, that's quite a good present. <laughs> well, they have a conversation about what a great present it is, yeah. Uh, because this is the point where she's passed out in the back of the car. Yes. Um, so uh, Arthur and Russell have a have a chat about uh, how that's, that's a nice present. And then the other thing is, uh, which is pertinent to the conversation that Mark wants us to have, <laughs> is... That, um, it's, Christmas is mentioned in a list of things that Arthur's forgotten. Ah. So it's a list of, it's a list of things that he, that he held as certainties and fundamental truths and, uh, you know, the, the sort of telegraph points along his life, um, which he's subsequently let go of. So it's, it's buying Christmas presents for people you don't really like. And uh, not having to touch the ground when you're falling at 32 uh, feet <laughs> per second. Uh, th- th- those things re- are in the list of, of Christmas. And that's the only time the word Christmas is mentioned across the, the I, think, I think I've think i got the call for book in my edition. I'm not sure, but it's mm-hmm. certainly across five books. One of the things I think I appreciate
2: is um, as much as I do enjoy Terry Pratchett, part of what he did with the Discworld is make lots and lots of uh, analogies to Yes, the world of the humans, or the well, to to Earth, because I guess they're humans on the Discworld. Anyway,
0: because the Discworld is a world
2: and mirror of worlds. Yeah, absolutely. So it it very much those kind of things. Uh, you know, there's Hogwatch and there's there's you know that that kind of stuff. There are countries that work a little bit like the countries we're familiar with, and Mm. that works really well on the Discworld. And it was, I think, it would be something you would expect to see more of in this kind of book and I uh, or this kind of series. And I think it holds up well that we don't actually get lots of that we don't get lots of intergalactic equivalents of bingo or whatever you know i think so i think you know the absence of a holiday like christmas um for a start it stops it being like the star wars christmas special which is is certainly a good thing
0: (laughs) that's exactly what i was thinking mate (laughs) he has he has seen that happen at this point as well when he's writing these the holiday Christmas special has happened, and we have had to see uh, what Wookie Christmas is like. Yes, um, and we we do know that it doesn't end well. You know, uh, kind of a Wookie grandma is sitting in the corner farting, and uh, <laughs> Wookie mum and dad have had a fight, and uh, they're all watching I Wookie Mrs. Brown's boys, <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Wookie's
1: boys. Oh, to be sure, but no, but there, there are in this um, series lots of um, holidays that. On the different worlds in their own different ways. So, yes. the um, serious the Se- uh, cybernetics corporation <laughs> complaints <laughs> department uh, had the word "share and enjoy" on top of their building, which sank, uh, killing the young uh, people. And the, now the words that say in the planet's native tongue. What do they say? Go, go, stick, go stick your, your head, your in, head in your head in a pig. Yes. <laughs> so that so they illuminate that on festivals, and it doesn't also um, Ford. Uh, arrive in mostly harmless on the world where the guide is yes. during the middle of a, a a festival they're playing. Was it Hunt the Wocket or something? The
2: Wocket—that's exactly what yeah.
1: what it is, I believe. Yeah, and also, of course, we've got the more traditional festivals where Old Thrash Barger is going to tell you the stories about the coming of the uh, perfectly normal beast, which is very looks so like a harvest festival type, yeah, very much uh, thing. And I, th- I think the 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 universe is richer for letting the uh, the calendars of the world breathe on their own a little bit
2: yeah and they he he had enough imagination to be able to create these and have enough you know we we can understand the idea of a of a harvest um what stephen king called the Kala in uh, in his dark uh, tower series uh, or the Kala, and um but but not going too far by making it piece of observational comedy. We
1: should always run away from uh, observational comedy, Mark,
2: because uh, what's all that about? Uh,
0: could, could we argue that the end of the universe is a sort of a... (laughs) Sort of a perennial, well, it wouldn't be a perennial, but some some kind of a celebration. Well, I wish it could be the end of the universe every day. Yeah, only to
1: the very, very richest among us. This is one of those occasions when you really wish Danny was here, because me and him went, and he's not here, we went to a, a, a thing where it was Christmas every week on a Wednesday. Uh, because we went to a fading Pontins holiday camp, which is a uh, seaside um, like section of chalets with a cabaret room, a bit like a really more downmarket Um <laughs> I think
2: we've I think we've actually described a Pontins in a previous episode.
1: Yeah, and they completely and utterly uh, lost the eye track of what they could do for entertainment. So they decided <laughs> that every Wednesday would be Christmas, and in the summer and they'd put Christmas decorations up and play Christmas records. And like Santa would come out to the kids.
0: And wow. um, did they actually re-record uh, Christmas every day as Christmas every Wednesday? They would do that. <laughs> they
1: should have done. I and mean, we asked the barman uh, why it was like that, and he said the bloody Morris
0: dancers picked this, and he gave us no more. <laughs> do we think the end of the universe is uh, a festival holiday in this in the sense, or is it some sort of?
2: I think. Th- I think performance
0: th- is it like going to Hamilton? <laughs> <laughs> um, in that
2: you probably only do it once, um, because you probably only afford to do it once. And it takes ages to get
0: tickets, apparently.
2: I think not. I, I really like that idea. The only reason I think not is because there there are probably very few people that, w- that would be around at the end of the universe. So the only people who would be experiencing the end of the universe are those at Ways, And mm. a holiday is something that you experience on a regular Basis, you know, it could be every four years, or it could be, uh, you know, every year or whatever. Um, and so, it, it would only be a holiday to the like the zero point zero 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 one percent of the galaxy who can afford to keep doing the compound interest thing um, mm. and and going back and forth to uh to milly ways to keep going ev- you know oh we come here every summer don't we gladys yes we do we <laughs> love it all we wish it could be the end of the universe every day
1: mark you'll you'll be better at, uh telling me whether or not which came first um but the milly ways sequence and talking of christmas it reminds me of the christmas in heaven stuff from uh monty python's meaning of life yes um And I'd, yeah, I try. I can't try to wrap my brain thing out which which came first. Uh,
2: it would be um it would be Millie Ways. Millie Ways, wouldn't it? Yeah, because uh, meaning of life was about nineteen eighty eight, I think.
0: Oh, eighty eight. I think it was.
2: I think it was a fair bit later. might be wrong, but I think it was. But Millie Ways was locked in by the end of the seventies, wasn't it? So yeah, because it was part of the first series, uh the first radio series. So you know, pre-book and all the rest of it. So you're talking
0: nineteen seventy seven, seventy eight. Where where does the Monotheistic, Judeo-Christian, Islamic God head figure exist in in this universe, and does Jesus have a birthday in other places?
2: We have a monotheistic God, which is the great prophet Zarquan and he does appear right at the end. Right,
0: that's true. So I was just, I was thinking more in terms of that kind of Abrahamic faith God. Mm. The certainly the TV show, which obviously we've all been watching recently, um, the the guide animations, the kind of. Link to that. Yes. Vision of God. So I'm just one, I'm just wondering if that God idea and therefore Jesus might exist and therefore you could have Christmas uh, an odd star. We simply need to look up
1: Yahweh in the book.
0: <laughs> you do, you do. Well what would what would be interesting then is, you know, um uh, like a, a a Vogon standing next to their Christmas tree, um uh, in in a spread in the Daily Mail, uh <laughs> talking about other races and and, and and Christmas. Watching Vogon brands, boys. Uh, <laughs> now this genuine
2: people personalities is a feature of a line of serious cybernetics corporation robots we know that marvin is a personality prototype so mr bounds what can we expect from the finished product
1: us prototypes are always um, they lose as they go into production they lose features yes. uh, this is what happens when they get to the sort of gold master uh, <laughs> stage they have to take things out because they can't make them work
2: yeah they, they, they get tacked on to a point Zero, one release
1: later. Yeah. So I can only assume that, like, production, at least first production, Marvin, like, can't pick up pieces of paper, um, can't take aliens to the bridge. Um, Misses out the number three. I just got, yeah, I've got no idea. I I also assume, um, uh, you know, production release, Marvin's got worse battery life. (laughs) Um, He's had all these parts made in the cheaper far east of the galaxy uh, when they could get into the move into... uh, uh, Proper uh, pro- projection, moulding, and stuff. So he's got those little, um, you know, those little bits that you, on an airfix kit, So you've got a lovely uh, model of a Spitfire or the Millennium Falcon or whatever. And right at the end, there's this, this little sort of knobble of plastic. Yes, yeah, it was attached to the thing. You cannot get that off. Yes, um, and he's probably got bits of glue around him. Um, uh, I've, I've no idea, to be honest. I, you'd be you'd be wrong to uh, going for the Kickstarter of a, of a genuine people first dancing robot. Anyway, I would have thought.
2: Well, serious. So you never buy Gen One serious stuff, do you? No, 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 no. Yeah, no. You always wait for. I think what you do is you 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 update a release behind, so you don't want to update to Snow, Arcture and Mega Leopard. <laughs> you want to just go like a, a version back to just Arcture and Mega Leopard. Well, with that, uh, it's time that we wrap this thing up, Mr. Bounds. Where can people find you online? I'd love you to go to
1: BewareOfTheLeopard.com. Little website, I don't know if you've heard of, where I've actually written something, uh, and I hope you'll enjoy it mm-hmm. because all the sort of Star Wars thing everybody's talking about, Star Wars, it's seen many for the past. 30 odd years in my life as it seems to be boring on. I've tried to connect uh, the Star Wars universe to the Hitchhiker's universe in about
2: a thousand words, uh, some pictures, and uh, people should go there see if they enjoy it. BTLpodcast.com Click on the blog uh, or follow the link in the show notes to go and read Mr. Bounds' wonderful words. You've already heard them in previous episodes, Um, so uh, go and and read them and have a feast for your eyes. Mr. Hickman, uh, where can we
0: find you online should you wish to be found. Runapod.com, thread.fm and uh, at John Hickman. Without an H. In John. With in, in John, you can put the H in Hickman and just don't put the M in Meat Pie. <laughs> Well, that just about wraps it up for The Leopard. You
2: can find this show at btlpodcast.com along with all of our contact details. Drop us an email to feedback at btlpodcast.com if you have any GPP feature requests. And don't forget to subscribe to the show in your podcast app. Just search for Beware of the Leopard. Do please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It really does help people find the show and it makes us feel less like we want to go stick our head in a pig. We'll be back next Thursday with a Christmas special. Um, So I'm rather excited about this. We are going to be listening... Uh, and watching along to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy TV episode 1 you can uh, take that sentence and arrange it into something that means uh, proper words if you like Uh, we will be watching episode 1 of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy TV show and you can watch along with us Uh, we will have all the links and everything for you to do so you'll just press play at the same time we do and you can laugh along to our japes uh, so uh, make sure you stay subscribed to the show at btlpodcast.com get all the links there and we will see you again in a week's time so until then share and enjoy Welcome to Beware of the... Oh, man, I just had a cat uh, tail in in my eye right as I was reading my script. I should know it off by heart by now.